0: Welcome to I'm Not in an Abusive Relationship.
1: The views expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily the views of domestic and sexual abuse services. Welcome once again to I'm Not in an Abusive Relationship. This is Claudia Pauls, and today I'm fortunate to be here with Elizabeth Alderson, McKenna Huffstetter, and Deborah Hackworth, all of DASIS. Um, Today we're going to do a panel and who believed I would have been saying this, but um, we are now in year three of the pandemic and how we are serving our clients um, has changed, is changing on a daily or yearly basis. And the panel today is going to be talking about how the um, pandemic has affected what we all do going forward. So I'm not quite sure who's going to start, but thank you all for being here today.
2: Thank you, Claudia. So um, what I will say is I heard um, the domestic violence reference as the shadow pandemic going on during our pandemic. I um, Domestic violence has always been a pandemic. Um, it's been worldwide, nationwide. It's never gone away. But now abusers have a different, another tool in their arsenal. To use in order to maintain power and control over their victims. And so we're um, dealing with a pandemic alongside or within another pandemic. And so that has caused us to have to shift and change in the way that we um, approach our services and serve our clients. I
1: can imagine. I never. I never would have thought of viewing the pandemic as a tool to, to get what, for, a, for an abuser to get what they want. But wow, when you phrase it that way, that's a pretty strong thing that's happening.
2: If you think about it, isolation is one of the tactics that abusers use. And at the beginning of the pandemic, um, where Um, some victims and their children or the children who are also victims had the escape of going to school or Mm -hmm. just being able to get out in a way that was taken away from them. And so Mm -hmm. um, they were literally trapped in the house with a, talk about a homeland terrorist, with a terrorist inside their home 24 hours seven days a week without the escape that they were used to. And so we're also seeing rises in um, mental health crisis because of the unrelenting, um, sometimes torture that families are experiencing at the hands of their abuser.
1: Wow. Um, so, So what specifically has changed in how you offer help and and treatment to victims of domestic violence.
2: I'm gonna turn that over to, uh, we'll go ahead. I'm gonna turn that over to someone else. I talk about our, why we do what we do so much better than the specifics. So.
1: <laughs> McKenna, would you yeah, like to turn in here?
3: Yeah, thank you. So we're going on year three, like you said. So things are still constantly changing. When the pandemic first started, we were teleservices all the way. We didn't see clients in person um, unless it was the shelter and, you know, obviously necessary. But now that we're in it a little bit more We do see our non residential clients in person every once in a while, but we still heavily depend on Zoom meetings, telephone, and just making sure we're using all of the necessary precautions. As one COVID positive person in our shelter could take out the whole shelter Um, because, I mean, all the staff, we run pretty low staffed as it is, but if we end up with positive cases in the shelter and that affects our staff we have a hard time then filling those empty spaces so that they can take the necessary quarantine so it's it's been difficult and a little lo- definitely different but i think we're finally moving forward in a better way that people are being more cautious, more people in the area are getting vaccinated and wearing their masks and just doing everything that we can possible to minimize the spread so that we can provide the necessary services to our clients in person if that is the way they prefer to do it.
1: Kind of expanding that umbrella that you have for, for protecting not just your clients, but also your staff, not that you didn't always protect your staff, but um, because of having to protect everyone and this pandemic just being so um, life-changing for whoever comes in contact with it, that has, that has got to have taken a lot of, of pre-planning and post-planning and, and changing every day, I would think.
3: Absolutely. It has it's been a roller coaster, but we're doing the very best that we can.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Um, would, would you say the number of, of contacts has increased or decreased or stayed about the same?
2: I think um, Liz sees a number of um, our clients in shelter, out of shelter, um, and so she could talk about it. But what I will say, the trend was, in the beginning, um, our calls to our crisis line went up. And then for a while, we almost went radio silent again, because when do you have that private time to m- reach out for help when your is right. there? But Liz, um, you wanna talk about our numbers or what you've seen?
4: Absolutely, yeah. So what I think I've seen, like Deb shared absolutely in the beginning it like that first year in 2020 we kind of went back and forth between like being overwhelmed with like new clients um calls and that kind of stuff and then it, it would just go quiet we wouldn't get referrals um or phone calls and then it would kind of go back and forth because I think absolutely people if you're if you have no outlet, like there's no time of privacy, when are you gonna call and reach out for help, you know? So there's that there's that back and forth of like teleservices is so convenient for survivors, because if you are in your own home and your house is safe, then yes, you can have therapy and advocacy at whatever reasonable time, you know, whatever the agency is running, which is usually like nine to five, nine to six, um, like you can make an appointment for any one of those times. You can, you can do it on your lunch break, and you don't have to take an hour and a half, an hour and forty-five minute lunch break to drive to and from our office. You can just jump on your computer and do it. You know, um, but if you are, if you are at a place where your abuser is also working from home and you're working from home, then you don't have time to reach out. Um, therapy wise, like if I think of specifically our therapy department at DASIS, we over the past three years have just continued to have an increase of therapy services, of um, therapy requests and referrals. And I see that a lot as one, you know, our, our survivors recognize like their need for, for therapy after going through things, but also the like, the impact of just surviving this pandemic and it being consistent for three years. It's something I talk about um, with some other therapists that I work with is oftentimes we as any provider are not experiencing the same traumatic event as our receiver of our services, right? Typically a heart surgeon is not also going through heart surgery when they're providing heart surgery, right? Mm-hmm. They might have had historically a heart surgery in the past, but they're not actively going through that issue. Whereas right now, we are actively going through the same traumatic event right. as every single person we provide services to and every provider at DASIS, you know, we're all going through the same traumatic event. And so I've seen that increase of like a lot of clients, just the anxiety, the depression, the isolation. Yes. Of of the violence that they've experienced, but also then of the isolation and anxiety and depression of having kids in the school systems and, you know, schools online today, but in person tomorrow. And then who knows what next week will look like. Um, work does the same thing for a lot of people it's online, it's in person, it's, you know, and so I've seen a huge increase for all of those kind of variety of reasons and therapy. And I've seen outside of like our work, but still in the therapy world, um, because I, I work with a lot of other therapists, um, they have a huge increase. Like I know I was at a training this past week and one of the therapists that I ate lunch with got seven referrals in four hours when we were at like the first part of our therapy training. And she's like, Oh, that's every day, every day she gets seven or more referrals because so many people are just seeking out, therapy services because it is year three of the same traumatic event that things have changed yes you know Mm -hmm. we've got more resources we know more than we did in you know I think of March 2020 but also like (laughs) you know it's been three years I'm tired and this thing hasn't stopped yet you know um so yeah but yeah even um shelter wise you know we've been full. We've been low. We, you know, that kind of goes back and forth. Our, our non-residential like advocacy services that are outside of shelter, same thing. It's kind of, it's ebbed and flowed. It's gone up, it's gone down. What I would say I've noticed is the, I don't know about sexual abuse, but specifically domestic violence. I can think of several clients that um, have experienced such horrific, domestic violence and always have but i saw a dramatic increase in the severity of the abuse that was happening because they i think they're that freedom right they were then trapped inside i think what deb said was perfect like you know a home terrorist kind of like if you're around 24/7 the abuse is going to increase um, because, yeah, you don't have an hour, an eight-hour window that you're away at work and stuff. And so I know I saw a huge increase of just the severity of the abuse that people were experiencing.
1: And when both, I mean, when the whole world is unstable, but not only the victim not having any kind of an outlet, but the perpetrator doesn't either. So that anger level and and um, abuse, potential just I would imagine increases quite a bit.
2: And we can't ignore the fact that while we're dealing with the health pandemic, we, um, this country was just a powder keg of civil unrest. And so no matter what side you choose to stand on with that, it adds extra stress and tension mm-hmm. um, to the home And again, like you said, perpetrators, victims, whoever don't have an outlet. Now I will say if there's anything good that has come out of this pandemic, it's the fact that um, we have normalized the conversation around mental health. There's some of the stigma has been removed And so more people are realizing that it's okay to reach out um, for help. It's a shame that things happen to have, have to happen to celebrities for it to get attention. But I'm thankful for the celebrities who's willing to stand up and speak out about their mental health issues because it helps us. To know that we're not we're not alone in this we're not the only ones and so I've um, been very happy to see um, instead of people being met with ridicule and um, shame you know there's some acceptance there for someone reaching out for mental health help especially in um, communities of color where the stigma was really bad you know in um, a lot of african-american communities it was um you know we don't do therapy we don't do that you know and now it's no this is an option for us too and a lot of the we don't do that that we tend to have adopted was because that wasn't offered to us. <laughs> and so, oh, right. you know, we're able to reach out to those um, resources and and things that we need to, to get the help that we need.
1: I also have been impressed at the number of celebrities who have um, not just suggested that therapy is okay, but to to continue the conversation after, been have, having been in therapy and, and to let people know there is hope, there is healing, there are things going forward that get better in your life if you take these steps to fix what's going on.
2: There's a lot of podcasts. Podcasts have really, including our own, have really taken off with people searching for um, self-help things. And so um, I myself listen to quite a few Um, One being, of course, um, Brene Brown. I listen to her podcast that, you know, helps you to um, go toward healing. And then there's another one. Um, Her name is Dr. Anita Phillips, and she is amazing. And, you know, she comes to the therapy world from A lot of different aspects and with her being a woman of color, she's breaking a woman of color and a Christian because those are two things that have been barriers to seeking help. She breaks down those walls um, to explain that, you know, we need all of this. There's not just one thing that we need need to attack our mental health, our physical health, our emotional health from many different um, standpoints.
1: That's great. So, so as, as exhausting and, and debilitating as a third year of a pandemic can be, um, it's good to know there are some good things that are coming out of it, some new approaches to um, helping and solving problems um, going forward. I would think many of these are going to stay in play even you know, as, as the big pandemic begins to, to ease up a bit. and. Fewer people are getting sick and and life begins to hopefully go back to what we considered normal a while ago. Um, But I would think many of these techniques are going to continue to help people.
4: Yeah, I think um, remote services, you know, teleservices are, you know, are here to stay in a more powerful force, you know, teleservices, especially like teletherapy was not new to COVID. Um, there were people practicing, um, teleservices or teletherapy for over a decade before 2020, you know, so it, it was out there. It wasn't as common or as, you know, available. And so I think that is, uh, really helpful because you also now have you know you have access to more individuals like I said with that time constraint of travel of drive and that kind of stuff of course then there's always the you know then then there's the reign of like ethical practice right like just because it's available just because you have access doesn't mean it's it's appropriate or, or healthy so there's you know there's that worry that I think I think of at least in the therapy world as well um but that access, you know, with mental health is huge. And for rural areas like Dasa serves, there isn't a lot of therapy services, you know, uh, close access, you know, where I could drive um, even 15 minutes from my home, I'm not gonna reach um, as many therapy offices as I would if I lived in a bigger city, you know? Mm-hmm. And so having that access is huge for our rural communities. Um, And so I'm thankful for that. I think I'm thankful for that ability and that, um, that flexibility in the work to say like, Hey, this is actually um, effective, you know? So what we've seen, DASIS isn't impacted by this because we don't bill insurance companies. Um, But in the therapy world, you know, a lot of times insurance company was would say, yes, teleservices available, it's effective, but we're not going to pay for it because you can drive somewhere. You know, it was very limited when they would pay for it. And COVID changed that. So most insurance companies in the state of Michigan um, are completely covering teletherapy. You know, it keeps getting kind of like pushed back. They're like, oh, this summer we'll probably stop. And then they push it back further because they're like, oh, like this isn't happening, you know. But so we as the receivers of services and the providers of services are dictating kind of the policies and procedures um, around those things, which is incredible for the mental health system. You know, instead of insurance companies saying, this is what you need, it's the therapist and the patient saying, no, this is what we need. And then them responding to that. So that's huge for the mental health world um, because that's what we need is more access, not limited access, is more access.
1: Very true. So I would uh, encourage our listeners to take hope, to realize that you don't have to wait till the end of the pandemic, whenever that may be, if that may be, um, but to reach out. There is help available. There are many avenues, whether by phone, um, DASIS 800 number, 800-828-2023, or many other wonderful agencies in the area that you may be in um, via online meetings or websites or lots of other options that um, are kind of a good thing to have come out of the pandemic. So thank you all for joining us. Hopefully we'll be uh, doing a show in the near future about life after the pandemic. I don't know, I'm always optimistic. We'll see what we can get one of those panels going here some month soon. and I wish you all to stay well. Please do remember, if you need to reach out for help, 1-800-828-2023 or org.
0: Thank you for listening to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, dasasmi.org. That's dasasmi.org org, or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff volunteers and board of directors at domestic and sexual abuse services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of domestic and sexual abuse services of Michigan.
1: The views expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily the views of domestic and sexual abuse services.